a lot of things we could talk about. Um, we could talk about the largest gathering of Satanists in the history of the world that happened today, uh, this weekend in Boston called Satan Con. Which, by the way, my buddy texted me. We had covert teams of evangelists. 98 Satanists got saved. <laughs> Just got the text message this morning. We could talk about the Cherry Hill Public Library. I was there on Saturday morning in New Jersey. And uh, y'all from New Jersey? Let's go. And I'm telling you, New Jersey, ain't, they're not playing games there. I mean, we said, hey, these libraries are being used for drag queen story hour. They're places of indoctrination and perversion. Instead of going and hiding in a bunker, how about we just take them back for Jesus? Hundreds of people in New Jersey and the Philly area showed up. We had lines wrapped around the library building and we hijacked the library with worship and the proclamation of the gospel. We could also talk about uh, the, the recent study that came out this week. Fourth of Gen Z now identifies as LGBTQ and they're confused about their gender. Uh, we could talk about the Wall Street Journal report that came out yesterday uh, that says a third of young people, now this is a surprising report, um, they still don't know what to do with it, but they said a third of the younger generation uh, actually now believes in a higher power or God. Then when they asked them why they believe in that, they said, we realized during COVID that there was God. <laughs> So there's a lot of different things we could talk about. I could talk about the 200 cities we traveled around, the, uh, around America and the revivals and what we're seeing. I could talk about, you know, we're on our 50-state uh, Kingdom of the Capital tour, which these, that's all the states we've been to so far. And uh, by the way, I told everybody in the first service, we're saving the best for last. Harrisburg will be in 2024... Uh, we're doing, uh, you know, Rolling Stone came out with an article uh, last week that um, got everybody all fired up. We have death threats and letters from Satanists coming to our house because of them, thank God. But they said, Sean Foyt, the Christian nationalist mega preacher, you know. They love all these taglines, you know. They said, uh, he has a strategy for his tour. I was like, Yeah. He's going to the red states and the blue states in 2023 and then the purple states in 24. I was like, yeah, there's a strategy here. So just so you guys are aware, we will be rolling into Harrisburg probably a month before the general election in 2024. Um, that's on purpose because this is a keystone state, because this is a seat of a nation and because God is not done with this state. And um, anyway, but I want to read Joel 2.28. This is just a reminder, okay? We could talk about the end times. Is it getting darker? Is it getting brighter? What's happening? And I always tell people both. We're living in a crazy hour. The darkness is going to get darker. The light is going to get brighter. But the glory of the Lord arises on you. And so a big part of my message today, I, I would say this is more of an activation because I, am, I, I feel this urgency. We can't have one 
believer in this hour not activated and equipped to follow Jesus? Like, we don't have time for, you know, cultural Christianity. We don't have time to sit in the back. We don't have time to be spectators. Like, it's time for the army of God to rise up in this hour. Joel 2.28 says this, and afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people. Someone say all. Is it a young people's revival? I keep seeing the Asbury thing. Is it yet? Yes, that's part of it. But all people, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. All of you people, you older people, think you're just going to cruise into retirement and get a boat and go fishing. Listen, it's a season of refirement, baby. We need moms and dads in the spirit. I just kept thinking, I'm like, you know, in this crazy season we went through, I just kept thinking of the faithfulness of Charles and Ann, and I kept thinking, I just want to go and have them smile at me as a mom and dad that are still pressing on in their race for the prize of Jesus. So it says in Joel 2.28, everybody's involved in this great outpouring. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit. Verse 32, it says, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved for on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance as the Lord has said. So we were just, we just came back from Israel about two weeks ago and I love going there in the reminder that, okay, we live thousands of miles from this place, but this is the real estate that a real man is returning back to. And we got to understand the greater narrative of what we're a part of. You know, we got to understand that every amount of prayer and worship and serving God is hastening the return of a king back to his rightful place. Like Jesus will touch the Mount of Olives. Despite what polling says, he doesn't care about the New York Times. He's not waiting for them to get it right. He's returning back to a piece of real estate. He's walking through the Eastern Gate, which just so happens to be the only gate in the old city boarded up. So funny, like, ooh, boarded up, put a couple boards up there. That's going to stop him. (laughs) And then we'll put some graves around the the front gate because he can't walk on graves. (laughs) but you feel the reality. Okay, we are a part of a grand narrative. We're a part of a giant story. We're a part of the culmination of the end of the age and we get to be alive. Yeah, one of the craziest times in history, but also one of the most glorious. And I want to share a bit of my heart this morning like, just really personal stuff. I don't, I don't share everywhere because I, everywhere doesn't feel like home, but this feels like home. And I want to provoke your heart this morning by all that we've seen and all that we've been a part of and, and even that video you watched and, and, and the backstory. There's always a backstory, you know, and it's, it's when we left Pennsylvania following the word of the Lord to California, which, which is funny because... I grew up in Montana, and Montanans, what unifies us is how much we hate California. <laughs> and really, with, Yellow, with the show Yellowstone, they really hate California now. Everybody thinks they're going to come in and be Kevin Costner. 
you know, these Californians. Anyway, so what's funny is that now I'm stuck in California. And actually, we had a really good thing going. I was on a very prominent, well-known record label. God was just opening crazy doors of favor. I was riding with some of the most amazing songwriters in the world and leading tours around the nations and and just it just was such a great season. We we had 15 acres and we kind of lived, you know, we had four-wheeler trails and we had a great local church and we lived in a little town. Everything was six minutes away. And in the midst, I'll never forget, I was with my wife and we were, it was on the eve of like our biggest event that we had done in Los Angeles um, at the Microsoft Theater and it was sold out and we were all excited and I was in my bed and I was sitting there. This should have been the culmination moment of like my career path. And I was so unsettled. And I was so, I was wrestling inside. I'm thinking, God, what, I, I, I don't know if this is, like, I don't, this isn't everything I thought it would be. I thought, I thought I would reach this moment where I would be satisfied, but yet I'm sitting here and I'm conflicted. The Lord began to speak to me. It was like a major left-hand turn about running for U.S. Congress. Like, like, what? And what was funny about the whole thing is I was so naive. I was really naive, and I heard the Lord say this, and a guy had a dream, and another person had a word, and somebody prophesied, and it was just like one thing after another. And I was really naive to thinking, well, well, God, like, I, when I gave you my yes, and I committed my life, I, you know, of course, when we were in Pennsylvania, this was a season where God was opening doors all over the world, and I went into North Korea from here, and I went into Iraq, Afghanistan, Saudi Arabia. God was opening doors. There's a mantle, by the way, on Pennsylvania to open doors across the earth. There's a sending, commissioning, calling on this state. And so, so God really opened that up, and, and we were going all over, and I was the missionary worship leader type, and then all of a sudden, I get this crazy call to go into politics, and when we lived here in Harrisburg, I remember I would go down and I would run around the National Mall sometimes. I'd just, just run and pray. You know, it's a quick hour and a half, two-hour drive, and I'd go down there and i just pray, but I never felt a call to politics, ever. Very patriotic, grew up loving America, been to 70 nations, grateful for what we have here, but didn't really care. Then I got this call, and the Lord was very clear, and I thought, this is going to be just like me going into the mission field. People are going to back me, right? We've been praying for the ending of abortion. We've been praying that our ki- for kids' education. We've been praying for righteousness and justice. This is not going to be a big deal. I talked to the record label. I can still be on the label and still run, and we're going to just, it's going to be great. Oh, my gosh. I never in my life encountered such a polarization. I mean, I'm in California. I just want to preface this. I'm not in Texas trying to prove I'm more conservative, conservative than the next guy. I'm in California, a place of crazy town, where simply I'm just saying, hey, how about we don't cut off body parts of our kids when they're healthy? How about we don't send abortion pills, give them to, out to every single you know, kid that goes to college? How about we don't like basic human stuff, right? 
And it was so much pushback and so much resistance and so much of in our life of just, not only was it difficult for us because I'm traveling across America and I'm this long haired worship leader and it's like, God called me to run for Congress. And people are like, yeah, good luck, you know? Running against a guy that's like Nancy Pelosi's BFF and has been in Congress for a zillion years. And, and I just have this idea, I'm gonna beat this guy, you know? And, and uh, the, old, the first guy that ever reached out and believed in me was actually Mike Huckabee. He saw that I was running, he saw I was a worship leader and he's like, dude, if you don't cut your hair, I'll send you a max donation. <laughs> and he made good on his promise. But what was wild about this season is there was so much favor at the same time. It was like I was meeting people. God was opening doors. And two months after I announced that I was running, I'm in the Oval Office in the White House laying hands on the president. I mean, it's just bonkers, right? Like you just, this doesn't happen. And I'm like, God is in this. God is in this. It's difficult. I'm being alienated. The worship guys are, you know... don't want to be associated with me anymore. I'm too controversial, even though I'm like, this is not controversial. This is not even political. This is just Bible stuff, people. And, 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 don't we have a great commission to go into every part of society and bring the kingdom? I was shocked at how controversial this was. I mean, I, I was like, it blew my mind. I'm like, guys, I went into North Korea. I went on, like, now I'm going in the political realm and it's even darker. Why would you not want to see the kingdom invade this part of society? Anyway, long story short, I raise all this money. I travel across America. I need, you know, a million dollars. I raise almost half of that. And and I work and work and work and work trying to keep the ministries going in the Middle East and around the world, trying to keep worship thing going, trying to keep all these plates going. And I know I heard from God. And then it came down to the election day. And of course, I thought I was going to win. Whoever doesn't think they're going to win shouldn't run, you know. I'm like, oh, we got this, man. It's in the bag. And I lost in the primary. And it was like a gut punch like I've never felt before, because I was like, God, I didn't want to do this. This wasn't my idea. I had a great, I had a great plan for my life when you screwed it up. <laughs> I had a good thing going. I had 15 acres, and I had a great church, and I was a worship leader. I'm the missions guy everyone likes. And now I'm this polarizing figure, and now... Now I lost. What the heck am I going to do with my life? I pick up the pieces. I'm, you know, and I felt humiliated. And I felt even as a husband and a father, I felt so much shame that I brought, drug my family through a year and a half of this mess. And I remember sitting at home and my wife can't even confirm this. I'm like, I'm not like, I'm a bounce back kind of guy. I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful. I, you have to be to live the life we have. And I just couldn't get out of bed. I just was depressed. I was in deep despair. And it wasn't because, of course, I felt I had let a bunch of people down, but I felt like I missed God. For the first time in my life, you know, I really felt like I missed the Lord. I'm like, and I had shame around that. And so five days later, 
The first case of COVID is discovered in North America in the district that I ran in. And the Lord begins to speak to me. We don't got time for like (laughs) sozos. Like we should have done like a year long sozo. We should have had a lot of therapy sessions. No, no time for that. COVID breaks out. The Lord's like, this is your assignment. I'm like, God, I'm done with assignments. Like, no assignments. My wife's like, babe, everything's locked down. We got acreage. Let's just like have a sabbatical. It's like, yeah, that sounds really good. Let's have a sabbatical. You know, even we're ready for the end times. I could shoot deer off my porch and turkeys and we're set up here, you know. The Lord was so clear. No breaks. No time to, to work through the issues. No time to try to fix the, the, the fractured parts of our family or marriage. No time to soul can become, you know, wallow in self-pity. No time for that. All right, next assignment. But God, there's no time. Like, next assignment. And so here we are. <laughs> Start a pledge, kind of half-heartedly, to be honest, called Let Us Worship. And I started it because our governor, who, who's power drunk and psycho, thought he was Pharaoh and he would tell the church they couldn't sing. I mean, you guys had a psycho governor too, but ours might have topped the list. Marijuana dispensaries are open. Casinos are open. Strip clubs are open. Costco's open, but the church is the super spreader. And so I wasn't frustrated, but here's the thing. Having just run, having seen behind the veil, having peeked into that darkness, I knew immediately what was taking place. I had the discernment and the foresight and the knowledge and the vision to know they have an agenda. They want to shut the church down. This is not about health. This is not about Fauci. This is not about all these crazies. This is an attack. This is purposeful. And so I rose up and I remember thinking, God, like, I'm not mad that the government's doing what it's doing. This is what governments do. I'm mad so many people are complying. (laughs) Like, we're the church. Like, we have 2,000 years of worship history. We don't stop for no one. And we definitely don't wait for the government to tell us, okay, now you can worship. No, no, no. We don't wait for governments. Read the book of Acts, man. (laughs) They got in trouble and then they got together in prayer meetings and prayed that they would get more bold to get in more trouble. That's the book of Acts. So anyway, we started this pledge and, 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 and we, we, you know, we ended up, and then it wasn't just a pledge. It was like, I want you to you know, the Lord really was specific. Gather people, put feet to the vision. I'm like, God, I don't know. We're tired. We're beat up. Like, I don't really have much to give. No one's going to come. That was the biggest thing. Like, everyone, no one's going to come. I'm a failed candidate. I'm failed at politics. I'm, no one's going to listen to my music. No one's going to care. God, I, I don't, I'm washed up. Find somebody else. And I started entering into conversations with friends of mine in New York to move there. This is for real. I was going to move to New York you know, use my business and marketing degree. I had great opportunities and I was just about to call it a day, hang up the guitar. I told my wife, I don't know if I'll ever lead worship again. 
And then the Lord said, no, no. Start a movement. Gather people. He said, God, no one's going to come. Put one post on Instagram. And, hey, meet at the Golden Gate Bridge. I'm thinking, which is the worst possible location ever? <laughs> meet at the Golden Gate Bridge. The city's in the middle of a 21-day lock-in-place, shelter-in-place order. It's the most locked-down city in all of America, in the most locked-down state, the most hopeless situation, and I really thought no one was going to come. I had three kind of pastor friends, so I was like, yeah, well, at least be four of us. We showed up, and almost 400 people gathered on the bridge. 200 came from the north. 200 came from the south. We met in the middle. We... We start marching on the bridge, and that was like during riot season, you know? It's like riot season in America. People are just burning cities down, and it's crazy. So the, this cop, this police pulls up on a motorcycle, and he said, what are, you, what are you guys doing? He's like, wait a second. You look happy. What are you here for? And we said, hey. I said, we're here. We're here because we want to pray over the city. He takes off his, I'll never forget this moment. He takes off his helmet, puts it in his hand like this, and he starts, tears come down his cheeks. And he pointed at me and he goes, what took you so long? He goes, I'm a believer and I've been praying. He's like, my job is I am over the suicide patrol on the bridge. He said, we have... 12 policemen on bikes and they, drive, they ride up and down the Golden Gate Bridge 24-7. He says, we cannot stop the amount of suicides from this bridge. He said, this is the number one suicide destination in America. And he said, I can't tell you the statistics, but far more people have died from suicide here than have died from COVID in the whole state. And here we are like, if you love your neighbor, you'll put three masks on and hide in your bathroom and watch a live stream. <laughs> Meanwhile, the world's going to hell. People are on suicide medication. They're alcoholics. They're depressed. They're hopeless. At the very hour where the church should shine the brightest. And so I was provoked again, and I'm battling through these issues, right? So 400 people come. I'm like, cool, cool. We go to Huntington Beach the next day. 1,000 people show up on the beach. We start baptizing people in the Pacific Ocean. People are throwing their drugs on the sand. People are getting delivered of oppression and heaviness. We do an altar call. 200 people get saved. The LA Times has an article on the front page of the paper, Revival in Orange County. It's the first and only good thing they've ever said about me. And then it began to go all across America. It just began to catch fire. And, you know, uh, it, it culminated, and this is what I want to come back to. It culminated in 2020 on October 25th, 1025, Hebrews 1025. Don't forsake meeting together. It was the only date the National Park Service gave us. Only date we have for you is 1025. And the National Park Service was fighting the D.C. mayor because she wanted to cancel us because we were the lar not just the largest event in the city that year. We were the largest church service in the world in 2020. The very same mall that I ran around when I lived here. 
And I would jog around. And here I am, failed in politics, failed in all this stuff. And here, having the largest gathering. And not only that night, we had senators with us, congressmen with us. We had that night on 1025 in 2020, Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed to the Supreme Court. You can clap for that. And then, a year and a half later, Roe v. Wade was overturned. You can cheer a little louder for that. <laughs> That's a 50-year prayer request. I, I have snot and tears in this carpet praying for the ending of Roe v. Wade. So many of you do too. And God actually did it. Crazy. Anyway, that year we ended up getting more pushback and, and more glory, and I became the number one COVID violator in 28 states, including Pennsylvania. I wear that as a badge of honor. But I, was, I woke up this morning, I said, God, what do you want to do with these beautiful people in this incredible community and, and this, this city and region that we love? What do you, you want to, what can I what can I impart? And I felt like the Lord told me that today was so many people's Ziklag moment. And I want to just read 1 Samuel 30. If you have your Bible, just turn there and we're going to do something really powerful here in a minute. If I could get some glory keys. By the way, I've been stealing the Life Center band as much as I can. Whenever I come in the area, I'm like, I got to get these guys to play with me. They flow. They know how to prophesy. This is what we need in America. I don't want guys to just play chords. We need psalmists that can open doors in the heavens over cities. But 1 Samuel 30, we have this story that should have been the end of David. Why do I want to read this? Like, I literally thought I was done. I mean, it's fun to watch the recap videos, and it's fun to, like, celebrate it. And we had a movie that actually came out. This is, like, the ultimate troll move, right? Like, Rolling Stone comes out with this article, Jesus Christ Super Spreader, and I'm like bummed, you know, I'm like, ah. And um, I'm like, you know, I'm a musician, it'd be, it'd be nice to be in Rolling Stone sometime, but maybe not like that. <laughs> My buddy in D.C. calls me, he's like, dude, he's like, I'm sending this to our whole press list. This is amazing. Jesus Christ Super Spreader, this is the best thing I've ever heard. So we made a movie called Super Spreader. It went top five in America. It's the first ever story shared on the big screen about the pandemic in the whole world. First ever story. And, um, but it told it from God's perspective. And so all of this stuff started to happen. But I look back to that moment. You know, I look back to that dark time. I look back to that season. I'm just like, God... Now I can see the end from the beginning. Now I get it. Now it makes sense. Now I feel like it can have a greater effect in the political world than even being in it. But at the time, I'm like, God, what are you doing? You tricked me. I, I, I gave up so much for this. Like, I didn't even want to do it. And it's, it's interesting. This is a prophetic community, so I can say this here. 
Like we love prophetic words and dreams and visions and all that stuff. And we need more of that, just like Joel 2 says. But we don't realize the very prophetic words that we cherish are the ones that are gonna crush us. <laughs> we don't realize that they are, they're going to like absolutely crush us. Yeah, give me another one, God. Give me another one. Yeah, I'll take that one. David gets the prophetic word. You're going to be the king of, of, of Israel. You're going to be the king. And he's probably pretty pumped. Yeah, I've just been a shepherd boy. I'm forgotten. I'm forsaken. He didn't realize that prophetic word was an invitation to 10 years of chaos and calamity. Enemy number one of the state. His life was on the line every day. He's getting assaulted, persecuted. Like, we don't talk about this enough in prophetic circles. We don't understand that God's calling and his mandate and his invitation to you is actually an invitation to die. And what's wild is that I, I, I did. I died to my thoughts. Well, no one's going to care about my music or my ministry or whatever. And then, boom, COVID happens. We have three albums in 2020 and 2021 that go number one on all of iTunes in the whole world. I've still never seen that happen with the worship album ever. And that was after I died to that. God's like, oh, I'll just resurrect it for fun. I know you're not on a big label now. I know you don't have a big marketing thing, but ah, it'll just be fun. Let's just boom, kick it to number one. But the prophetic word is an invitation. And so David gets this word. And so in 1 Samuel 30, it's like almost over. Like the word's almost done. He's, he's about to like tap out. And it says that the Amalekites, they come and David's off fighting another battle because that's what he's supposed to do. He's following the word of the Lord. And while he's following the word of the Lord, the Amalekites come in. And when David's men reached Ziklag, after they fought the war they were supposed to fight, it says they found it destroyed by fire. Their wives and sons and daughters were taken captive. David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. So he's called to be over here. And while he's over here, everything's taken. And he's weeping. And not only that, then it says, verse six, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. It just gets worse. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord, his God. This is the moment, the game changer. He didn't have time for therapists. He didn't have time for sozos. He didn't have time to process Am I going to bounce back? Do I believe God's in control? Do I believe that he's the author of this story? Will this turn out some way good? I don't see how, but I just have to trust him. He found faith. He had grit. He had determination. He'd have resiliency. I'm telling you, in America, we could use a little grit right now. We could use a little resiliency. We got to stop being so soft. We got to stop being so weak. Either God is who he says he is or he's not. And we could talk all day about the Marxists and the indoctrination and the perversion and the trans agenda and all this stuff. But do we believe the word of the Lord? Do we believe in a third great awakening? Do we believe that he can flip our cities upside down? 
So David found strength in the Lord, and then David, he said, hey, I should probably be in a counseling session right now, but hey, God, should I pursue these jokers? Should I go after them? I mean, my own squad wants to stone me. They've rejected me. And he has the guts to ask God if he should go get everything back. This is, this is one of those Davidic seasons, guys. I want you guys to stand up. I want to just do something today. I, I felt like in my spirit, I, 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 I'm so grateful for this house. I'm so grateful for the worship. I'm so grateful for the presence. I'm so grateful for the, for the, the reliance. And I mean, I, I can't, I, I have so many memories of God marking me here. I would not be who I am today. We would not be doing what we were doing if it wasn't for God encountering us time after time after time in this house. But I feel like today there are people in this room that if you were really gut level honest, you'd be like, man, I feel like I miss God. Where does the deconstruction come from in a generation? Where does the turning away from the gospel? It comes from a fence that you felt like you missed God. You're disillusioned. You're discouraged. You're not where you think you should be because you, of course, know how your life should go because you're an American. I'm going to grow up and get a degree and get a promotion and crush it. And pretty soon I'm going to have a bigger house and then I'm going to have a Tesla. You don't have any idea what God wants to do with your life. Here's the thing. How about you just give up control? How about you just chill? How about you just find strength in God? How about you realize he's already factored your failures into his equation? If you're here and you're like, man, Sean, because I, I, this is from my heart. This is from my gut. Like I was so discouraged. I felt like I missed God. This movement that's still going across America was born out of great despair. And I feel like this morning, God wants to birth movements in some of you. If you're in a place of despair, you felt like you missed God in your life. I want you to just come down here. I want to pray for you. Come on, don't wait. Don't wait. This is a shame-free zone. No shame up here. It's not too late for a turnaround. It's not too late for the grit and the tenacity and the resiliency that God wants to birth in your life. It's not too late. God is writing the story. You are not writing the story. God is writing the story and it doesn't always go the way we think it should go. The best thing that ever happened to me is God destroyed my plan. Some of you, come on, I just want you to come down front. If that's you, just just get on your knees for a minute if you can as a sign of surrender. I thank you, Lord, this morning in this house that you've not forgotten any of these beautiful people. I thank you, God, that you have not finished writing their story. 
I pray, God, today that this would be a zigzag moment where they would find you in the midst of their despair. God, they would find you in the midst of their heartache, in the midst of their hopelessness. God, that they would find you. God, that they would say, I gotta find strength in you, God. That they would throw away the, some of you are so addicted to stuff, pills, alcohol. You're trying to cope with your own inadequacy. Get free of that, man. Don't do that. The devil's a liar. Lord, I pray today, God, just like with David, just as you encountered him and you brought strength in a season of so much doubt, God, find us here today. Lord, this is a season where we cannot afford for any soldiers in the body of Christ to be inactive. We can't afford for any church, any believer, any pastor, any leaders to not be living to their full potential. Today, God, we submit to your leadership. We submit to your way. Come on, just begin to tell them. Say, God, just let out all the places you feel like you failed where you feel like you miss God. And some of you, it's like not even a sin thing. It's a heartache thing. For me, it wasn't a sin. It was just a heartache. God, I feel shame because I missed you. The Lord's like, no, 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 no. I'm writing a bigger story. Trust me. misunderstanding for you do you trust him in my heart through the heartache burns for you come on strengthen yourself come on in my heart in my Come on, let your worship rise above that despair. Come on, let it rise above the hopelessness. In my heart In my heart 
done writing your story. He's not done writing your story. Trust me. It's not good yet. It's not the end yet. Don't give up hope. Don't, don't be like so many people right now that are loose. It says of the increase of wickedness, the love of many will grow cold. The crazier it gets, the wilder we worship. The crazier it gets, the more we press in. I was in the U.S. Capitol three weeks ago and I had this wild idea. I said, you know, I wonder if we snuck into the Capitol rotunda at night wonder if I could find any Congress members that would come and worship with me. I actually need them so I can get in, but I was like, we're going to do this. By the way, are you all going to (laughs) come? So we brought violins and we brought cellos and we brought acoustic guitars and uh, eight members of Congress showed up. And We had this moment when we're in this rotunda, right? I mean, this is like the ceremonial epicenter of democracy and freedom for the earth. I mean, like like, this is the place that's promoted freedom and democracy for planet earth. It's like a big deal, right? There's revival paintings all over the wall. There's Pocahontas getting baptized behind you in a mural. There's George Washington reading a Bible. I mean, it's crazy, right? So we're in there and I have my guitar (laughs) and I see these eight members of Congress and they're all on their knees. They have their hands on the rotunda floor. They're praying, God, send revival to America. And as I'm playing my guitar, the Lord speaks to me. Hey, Sean, do you trust me? I had a plan. you trust me? And so I share that with you because you have no idea the places, the spaces, the nations, the spheres where God's going to set you. And he doesn't take him long. I mean, a few chapters later in Samuel, David's king, but he had that Ziklag moment. Usually the Ziklag moment happens right before a big breakthrough. That's when you get attacked the most. And so some of you, you're right on that edge. And I just want to encourage you, don't give up. Don't give up. We need all of you. We need all of you. We need all, we need everybody living to the fullness of their calling. This is the season. Arise, church. Shine. The glory of the Lord is upon you. Amen.
So uh, if you came up here before you go back, just stay for a moment. I, I felt like this kind of encapsulates. Sometimes we misinterpret suffering, hardship, failure. Peter says, beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial. King James, count it not strange. When it comes upon you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Your light in the darkness. And the suffering is just, you're getting hit because you're making forward progress. You're strategic. The great thing is God oversees it and all that happens is the junk comes off, the ego comes off, the idolatry comes off, the vanity comes off, the selfishness comes off, the, the pride, who can talk to me like that comes off, so that we shine like him in this world. So rejoice and be glad that when his glory is revealed that you will be makarios, you'll be happy, blessed, you'll be in victory. Hush. <laughs> anyway, I just, I just said, I just, God, change our paradigm. We understand. Do you know when even when you don't think you're praying kingdom come, when you're just saying Holy Spirit come, you're praying for the kingdom to come because it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's not just words, but power. And so, of course, there's resistance. God, Give us grit. Give us grit and courage and rejoicing as we go forward. God, bless your people, God. Bless us that we would shine with bold love, with joy in our suffering. Father, that we get back up. Thank you for those moments of depression and disillusionment that just... Take us to the bottom so you can raise us up without all that junk on us. Amen. 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 So, whoo. So I just want to bless you. I just feel like we got a, a, a bath in glory this morning. And I'd say, hey, if you're here at the second service, you can probably get the first service online. They're a little different. And if you want more. We just bless the team going to Israel. We bless all of you as you're going out into the world that you're carrying the light of God. When you walk into the room, Jesus is in you. That's the hope of glory. So God, activate us. Lift your hands up. I want to do this. I did it, I think, last Sunday. I want to do it again. Father, these are your hands in this world. Would you anoint them and make them holy hands that are full of power, that we might lay hands on the sick and they would recover, God. That, that our hands would be holy and used to bring you glory. That our eyes would be holy. That we would have our sight set on your purpose for our lives. Keep us out of dark places, out of distraction, out of addictions. Set us free. That we can carry freedom into the whole world. In Jesus' name. Amen. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, right? You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. God, bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. 
you're carrying his shalom and you're carrying his name into the world. God bless you.